This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. We're starting a series this morning. A new one lasts a couple weeks. And it's around this central topic. I wonder how many people in here notice that in today's world, there's so many people that get so easily upset about everything. <laughs> I heard that. And how many people take things so personal? And who in here would say that you've noticed people get easily angered? Uh-huh. And I, hate to, and I hate to even ask this question, but how many people notice that oftentimes um, Christians are the ones that get so upset about things? Have you noticed it? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that Christians among us get, and, and among so many other people as well, get so easily upset and angered about things? And I want to discuss today our response as disciples of God as Christians, on what we should do to kind of alleviate the hatred, the anger that's going on around our world today. And honestly, it's, it's hard to anger me. It really is hard to upset me most of the time. I'm not easily upset unless somebody hurts my wife, my kids, somebody betrays my friend, or um, criticizes the church, or my message, or my weight. Or, so, I mean, it. I can get upset pretty easily. But I've discovered, as as more I've aged and read and searched the scriptures and God began to search my heart and do a real healing inside of me, I found the areas where I would get too easily angered, too easily upset. And I might even upset some of you in the course of this um, a few weeks that we're going to be doing this. And, And it deals with unforgiveness in your heart. That's where a lot of it comes from. A lot of the the um the um the um the um 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 um, um I don't know the bitter the, the um bitterness you may feel the uh the upset the angered emotion whatever it may be it usually stems from unforgiveness inside your heart. And I I want so bad to help people with that because I know how much the Lord helped me. And I know how angered I was and how upset that I would get over the smallest things. I was talking to Megan last night, and this isn't in my notes, but I wanted to share. Just last night, we were laying in the bed, and I said, Megan, I don't know why, I just seem so upset. I I, I seem so angered about things, and I, I don't know why. I laid in bed, and she began to ask me, why do you think that is? Why are you upset? Why are you angry? She said, things are going well. I said, I know they are, but I just feel angered. I feel like I should be upset about something. And I don't know if anybody else has ever felt that way. Things might be going good in your life, but you just feel like you're supposed to be upset. There's something that's supposed to be bothering you. And let me tell you something, that doesn't please the heart of God. It doesn't please the heart of God. And as a matter of fact, we're going to pray and I'm going to go into this in James chapter 1. But I want to talk about this and, and really bring light to it because the word says that the light exposes darkness. So how do we fix this problem in our society today, in our culture where everybody seems so angered, is we bring the light to it. 
and allow the light to deal with it. So would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for this time today. God, I'm asking you to be in this place, Lord, as we unwrap this thought. God, of people that have held grudges, held Held, held, held this anger, this, bit, this, bit, this, bit, this bitterness inside their heart. God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would expose it right now all across the world. And, Lord, that people's hearts would begin to be healed in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you'd be with my mouth as I speak. Lord God, that you, you know I can't do this alone. So God, I pray for your anointing to be over me. I pray that you would anoint my word so that I can speak with clarity. So I can speak um, precise, Lord, so, so that it's easily understood, God. And so that we leave here different. God, I thank you so much for this time. So God, I pray, do with my mouth what you did with Moses. Be with my mouth as I speak. And open up our minds to know, our ears to hear, and our eyes to see the truth of your word today. And it's your name I pray, amen. We sang a song today that says, come just as you are, and I believe it. I believe it to be true. We should be welcoming to anybody and anyone that wants to come through the doors of our church. Look, we will welcome people from all backgrounds of life and all types of sin that they may have in their heart. But let me tell you what the scripture does not say. It does not say come in just as you are and leave the same way. It says come in as you are and leave changed, leave different, leave according to the word of God, leave with your life transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I want to pray this morning, that the Holy Spirit would transform us today. Amen? James chapter 1, verse number 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. My dear brothers and sisters, take note. Then he gives instruction. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I want, I want you to ask yourself, as I've asked myself many times, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with that scripture, with that passage? We should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because I think today we live in a culture where not very many people are listening and they're very, very, very quick to speak their opinions and people are incredibly easily upset and often quickly angry. We should be slow to speak, quick to listen. In fact, when you look at Jesus and the way that he lived, it's exactly the way that he lived his life. Read this. I read this stat. It was quite interesting. How many questions do you think that Jesus was asked as recorded in the Gospels? Now, before you start going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and counting them all, let me tell you. He was asked... Um, directly, this is not an indirect question, he was asked directly 183 questions, to which only three of those he actually answered. He was asked 183 questions, three of them, but let me tell you what he did ask. He asked others over 300 questions because he was so incredibly pinpointed on other people. He was so in tune with how other people thought, with what they were going through, because his heart was to serve, was to give. It was to be a part of their life and see how he could transform it in some way. He was asked 183 questions, but only answered three. And as we think about this today, our assignment would be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And when we think about slow to become angry, I think that anger has kind of evolved in our lifetime. 
when I was younger, the things that would annoy me the most and make me the most angry is when somebody would cut me off in traffic. That just upset me, right? When there's only just a little bit of space and that car thinks that he's got all the space in the world to get up, just wait your turn, right? It annoys me. It angers me. Or when I would text somebody and they wouldn't text back. Now, I'm the only one, right? Or you can see the bubbles on the phone. You know they're typing something and then they never do. I'm telling you that stuff gets me. Just text me or call me or do something, right? But, a, but anger has escalated in our culture. It's anger on social media arguing about do we get the shot? Do we not get the shot? Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Do, do we do all these types of things? Do we stand? Do we kneel? And I'm getting angry because all these people are angry. And it's, it's odd sometimes how an angry person creates another angry person. Have you noticed that? Somebody who's upset, who talks within a group, not too far, all the other people are upset too. Because it, it, it grows. And, and here's the thing, I get that we should be upset about things. But sometimes we have these issues and everybody's got them. Everybody has that one issue. That one thing that just, oh, I just don't like that. Right? We all have the one. My one might not be your one. Your one might not be my one. But we all have one. And it just irks us so much. And then we don't just get mad at the issue. We get mad at somebody else for not being mad at my issue. Right? And then they get mad at me because I'm not as upset about their issue as they are. And it just creates this conundrum of everybody's upset. And everybody's angry. Anger evolves. I want to make it about the Bible and, and about um, being a Christian. We get angry over other people's sin, but too often overlook our own. And I don't know about you, but I find myself easily agitated and easily angered, and that's not pleasing to God. And it's hard to admit, and this may not be true for everybody, but I think some people actually like being angry. My kids think that I like to be angry all the time. Clean your room. Do this. Eat your food. Oh, Dad, come on. No. They think I'm angry. But today it's evolved into social media. And people feel like they can hide behind a computer screen and say whatever they want to say, and it doesn't hurt anybody. You've got your 73 um, friends on, on, on social media and you want them all mad about the same thing. So we post this and we share that and we post opinions and we share opinions and all that does is creates more anger. We're a culture that gripes and complains. Now this isn't a message about griping and complaining. I want you to understand this. But in America we can do better. And it starts with the church. So I want to ask you a question. Is your anger leading people towards Christ? And maybe this isn't for you today. Maybe it's for somebody else that you're going to impact this week. 
Maybe it's for the person that's sharing, that's watching online today and maybe even share the feed and somebody else later in the day is going to watch this and this is going to impact them. But is your anger pointing others to the intimacy and to the life and the joy that is only found in Christ Jesus? Is it making you more loving? Is it drawing other people into a more joyful life? And let's not disguise our anger with a righteous anger, the tossing of tables type of righteous anger. Jesus said that the temple had become a den of robbers and it needed to be a house of prayer. We can all agree that a righteous anger and a regular anger are two completely different things. And I'll give you this this update here. The answer to this question isn't very nice. The, 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 The answer to the question, is my anger helping others? The answer is a big profound no. N O, it's not helping at all. And I have conversations with people on social media privately because I don't want to make it, you know, public when people post this. And I'll respond and say, is that really helping? Because if you look at the comments, all it's doing is creating more hatred. We have to be careful as children of God, not only what we say, but now what we type out. We have to be careful and make sure that everything that we put out there, we have to understand that it is public now. That it is not private. It's not your own opinion that you've kept inside. Now the entire world knows about it. Is what we say drawing people to Christ? I want to add one more passage of Scripture to the one we just read. If we'll go back to James chapter 1, verse 19, we read that again. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. But then watch what happens next. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Your human anger, or whatever it is, your anger at the small thing, your anger at the big thing, your anger at the political views of that guy, or the harsh words you had inside the parking lot, your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And if you're like me, you may want to push back on it just a little bit and say, Pastor Chris, you don't understand. My anger is righteous. I have a righteous anger. My anger is righteous because I'm angry over sin. And this might be, and there is such a thing as righteous anger. And it's on things that breaks the heart of God. But I don't know if you've noticed this about righteous anger. Whenever we have, when, when, when we're angry about other people's sin, we overlook our own. So it's no longer a righteous anger, but it's a self-righteous anger. Sometimes we got to look in the mirror. We tend to think our anger is justified. Why? Because it's my anger. How powerful is your anger? Are we drawing people to Christ? Is it blessing and enhancing your marriage? Is it giving your children a life that they want to emulate? One that's blessing others or always criticizing them. What we have to do at some point as Christians is make the decision of this question. Am I trying to make a point or am I trying to make a difference? Because too many people simply just want to make a point. And if we want to make a difference, I would submit to you today that we need a different attitude and a different path with dealing with the wrongs of this world. And rather letting our flesh 
and our emotion direct our action. We need to let the Spirit of God direct our action. So we're not just making a point, but we're making a difference. We're not just trying to win an argument. We're trying to win people. And that's a big difference. And so back to the Scripture, because I don't want people to think this is just my soapbox, right? There's this really, really smart guy in Matthew chapter 22. And this is what the Scripture says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. So now we have this expert in the law that's asking this question. All the religious people get together. And this is one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So tell me what's the most important thing, teacher? What's the most important thing? And Jesus looked at this man and he said, love the Lord your God. And then he said, always win the argument. He said, always prove your point. He said, always make sure everybody knows your opinion. Is that what he said? No. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. The point here is to love God with everything in you, every bit of your being, to worship Him, to love Him, to glorify Him in everything that we do. And the way you love Him is by loving people and showing them grace and having empathy and showing compassion, and showing His goodness. And as I was thinking about it, I realized you don't have to be angry to do that. You don't have to be angry to show compassion. You don't have to be upset to have empathy. You don't have to be angry to help somebody who's hurting. I like, watch, I like to watch boxing, and MMA, karate, anything that's combat type sports. Tell me how many angry athletes win. Zero. Do they have a chip on their shoulder? Yes, maybe so. But anger leads us to making mistakes. An angry boxer never wins a match. An angry um, MMA guy never wins a match because anger causes us to mess up. So... These disciples of Jesus, as we are today, how do we battle against this darkness? So, and the way we do battle is like this. We lead with love. We don't lead with anger. We're not just trying to make a point. We're not trying to win the argument. And so we're, we're, we're trying to make a difference. You see, there's so many injustices in this world right now that just irritate me. And I want to go and fix every single one of them. It angers me to watch things on TV and to turn on the news and to see the different opinions, the ones that I agree and don't agree. And trust me, everybody tells their opinion. And we watch it and it just upsets me so bad that it seems like whether, whether you're watching this channel or watching that channel, they're always trying to fight each other. How do we make a difference? Posts on the internet make us feel good, but it doesn't solve anything. We lead like this. We have to change things with love, with ears that hear, not with mouths that talk. 
That's why Jesus spent so much time listening. That's why Jesus spent so much time listening. We have to lead with love, not with anger. So if you find yourself a little bit like me, getting annoyed at everything that's going on in this world and, and, and all these strong opinions, and don't think for a moment I don't have an opinion because I do, but just because I have one doesn't mean I need to share it. Because I don't want my opinion to overrule my calling. I don't want my opinion to put me in a position where now they're not going to hear from me. There might be somebody that is sharing and speaking, is angry, upset, and is, and is uh, and just bitter as all get out, and, and they just want just, to just throw everything out there on social and look, I, maybe God positioned me to reach them. But if all I ever do is just fight, 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 and share mine, I've now lost their attention. And they're not going to hear anything from me. You see, that's why we lead with love. We lead with love. We lead with love. So getting into this, and I just have a couple points today. How do we let go of anger? The first thing I want to encourage you to do, now hear me. Before you just hear what I have to say and tune me out. How do we let go of anger? Number one, lower your expectation of other people. Now before you again say, well, pastor said we shouldn't expect anything out of anybody. Let me tell you something. If your name is not Jesus, then you are not perfect. Okay? I want to say that again. If your name is not Jesus, then you are not perfect. People will let you down. And not because they want to. And sad reality is some people want to. But not all people try to. Some people let you down just simply because they're human. They don't mean to. We expect pastors and leaders and friends to be perfect. And I'm telling you, we're not. We put this pressure on ourselves. And I put this pressure on myself to be perfect all the time. I have to make every right call. I have to reach out to every person. I have to write every message. I have to make every meeting. I have to live up to all these unrealistic expectations. I have to solve every problem. I have to give every good advice. Have every answer put together every puzzle, stay ahead of culture and keep everyone happy, carry every burden, hear from God every single week and there's so much pressure that we put in our shoulders and we expect ourselves to be perfect and I'm telling you we're not. We're not. Yes, I have to earn my keep. Yes, there's an expectation when I stand behind this pulpit to bring a word that comes from God but I'm telling you not everybody's perfect and if I expect all these things out of me week in and week out, guess what? I'm going to let myself down every single day. I am going to feel like I have failed because my expectations for myself were set so high that there's no possible way I'm going to be able to meet every single one. And in terms of, 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 you know, these people, these issues that we're hearing and having to face in this world today, racial tension and all these things, and many that I could name, there isn't enough time in this message to name everything in this world that's going wrong. But we have a social media generation that thinks every problem can be solved with a post. Look, the Apostle Paul told Timothy what people are like. He said they would be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, um, not lovers of the good. Uh, uh, um, um, they are, um, they are um, um, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's straight out of the word of God. 
That is what he said that people were going to be like. So if you're not named Jesus, you're not perfect. Now I need you to hear this and I want you to listen close because... I get angry. We get angry at people on TV or on the news who say, who say things that contradict the word. And we get angry at people who don't act rational. And we post it all over the place. And we talk about it out to the coffee shops. And what did we really expect? They're humans. They're flesh. They're going to mess up. They're going to do things that, that aren't right. And that's why, let me tell you something, my faith is not in Washington. My faith is not on the athlete. My faith is not anything that you see on TV. My faith lies in one thing, and that's in Jesus Christ. So whatever the Word of God says, that's what's true in my heart. That's where my faith is, on the promises of Jesus. I rest on His Word. I rest on the Holy Spirit. There's only one name by which we're saved, Jesus Christ. But hear this, Jesus never gave up on people when they messed up. He was never scandalized by immoral behavior. Go watch as you go through story after story. When Jesus walked up to the woman at the well and realized she had been married five different times, what did Jesus do? He offered her living water. He didn't just dismiss her. Whenever the disciples were, you know, I'm um, just um, um, saying, who is the top ranking man? Who's the one that's going to sit at the right hand of God? And, um, and what does Jesus say? He just kept on loving them. What about Peter? We're talking Peter. And he's bragging like, hey, I'm your guy. I Look, I've got your back. I will never deny you. And then he did. And then he did deny him. What did Jesus do? Jesus forgave him and gave him a new assignment to go out and take care of the sheep. People aren't perfect. They're going to mess up, but that doesn't mean we don't forgive them. So how do we get over being so easily upset, lowering our expectation of what we expect out of other people? They're going to mess up. But at the same time, now hear me, this is the point. Because number one never works without number two. We cannot just lower expectation and that just be it. We have to lower expectation but raise our gratitude for the grace of God. Lower your expectation of people but raise your gratitude for God's grace. I would love to see a show of hands of all you who have never ever sinned. You have never done anything wrong. Now let's play this honest game. And, I, and I'm making a point here, so you need to hear me. And please be truthful. This only works if we're truthful. Raise your hand if you've ever lied in your life. Raise your hand if you've ever cheated on a test. Raise your hand if you've ever lusted. Look, truthful now. Raise your hand if you've ever envied. Raise your hand if you've ever gossiped. You see, just by the, the definition of how we're supposed to live, listen to me, we're all bound for hell. Every single one of us in this room have had some type of sin in their life. And if you read the scripture, sin leads you to one thing, to a life in hell. 
We were destined. But let me tell you something. That's why God came and that's why he sent his son so that he would die on a cross and forgive us of our sin so that grace would be there. And if God extended grace to me, then I've got to extend it to other people too. How are we made right with God? Listen to me. The Bible says, as for you, you were dead in your transgression and sin. In which you used to live. (laughs) Watch this. When you went with the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. You see it? And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Stop there. Every single one of us was described by the first three verses. But then we get to verse number four and watch what it says with me. Come on. But because of his great love, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works. Not by works. Why? So that nobody can boast because if we boast we're just back to where we began. We're back in the same sin that even got us there. For we are God's handiwork. Come on, somebody. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, listen, it's not because you were good. It's not because you were holy. It's not because you had it all together. It's not because you came to church. It's not because you did everything right at church and never did anything wrong. It has nothing to do with you. We're only saved because of the grace of God. It's by grace you've been saved. It's by grace. It's by the goodness of God, not your goodness. It's by the mercy of God. It's because of what Jesus did. People are going to let you down. But since he gave me grace, remember we're talking about how to dissolve anger, then I extend grace too. Because it's not worth getting mad at a friend over something that God's already forgiven me for. Amen? Someone may be here today that's been hurt. Someone may be watching online, may have endured hardship. And whenever we've been hurt, we get angry. And there tends to be this thought that I'm right, they are wrong. I'm right, they are wrong. That's what what we think. Whenever we get mad at something, an issue or a person, it's always I'm right and they are wrong. And if you're not careful, your anger will then justify you to hold the stone. And it's not that you're going to cast the stone, but you just like to hold it in case you ever need to. 
You hurt my child. You let me down. You didn't call me. I'm pro-mask. You're not. I'm pro-vaccine. You're, you're not. I like to hold my stone. And I hold my stone because I'm right and you're wrong. And my anger gives me the right to hold the stone. But in John chapter 8, there was a woman that was caught in a sinful act. She, had, she and another guy were caught doing something we all know they shouldn't have been doing. And there was an angry group of men. They gathered around holding their stone saying she deserves death. She sinned. And Jesus wasn't shocked. Jesus wasn't angry. He wasn't even upset. But instead he knelt down and started scribbling something in the sand. Now we don't know exactly from the Gospels what was said. But tradition tells us. That perhaps he was scribbling the sins of all the men that wanted to stone her. Because scripture says one by one from the oldest to the youngest. They all started walking away. And Jesus looked on and said, and you're angry at her? Just look what you've done. You're angry at her and you want to stone her? You want to throw her under the bus? You want to stab her in the back and you, you, you forgot to look at yourself? He said, then whoever of you has never ever sinned, you cast the first stone. Listen, there's so many things that are going on in this world that breaks my heart. And I know it breaks the heart of God. We can have some music. And it's easy for us to want to be angry. Righteously angry. And hear me, there's a time to stand up. There is a time to speak the truth. But I'm telling you, the point is not always about what you say, but sometimes it's how you say it. The intention behind every word that you say and the intention behind every word that we type. Because everything we do has meaning. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves trying to make a point rather than making a difference. Now, I might not be saying this to anybody in this room. Maybe this is the millions and millions of people across the world who have caused havoc over the Internet. But I'm telling you, there comes a point when we must lay the pride down and offer grace because it's only because of the goodness of God that I have been saved. I could stand up here as if in everything that I mentioned plus many, many, many more sins that could be announced and I'd have to raise my hand. I would have to raise my hand over every sin. I've never, um, I've never killed anybody, so that's good. But there's so many sins that I've committed. And you know what? God still saved me. And even though I probably didn't deserve for my back to be healed, he just, he just happened to do it anyway. Even though I shouldn't deserve the job that I have, 
he decided to do it anyway. Because it's not by works. We're supposed to do good things. But I'm not saved because of what I do. I'm saved because of who he is. Do you hear me? I'm not saved because of what I do. I'm saved because of who he is. I'm not saved because I help somebody. I'm saved because he helped me. It's not by works. It's by the power, by the grace, by the Holy Spirit that he has given me. So how do we alleviate the anger in this world? We fight the anger with love. We drop the stone. Because I don't have a right to cast it. Because I've sinned. I've sinned. And God forgave me. So he tells me to forgive them. So with all eyes closed, all heads bowed. You may have been hurt. You may have been carrying hurt. I want to pray for you. You may have held anger, struggled with anger. I want to pray with you. Maybe you've har- you have harbored um, bitterness in your heart. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. If there's some type of a sin in your heart I want to pray for you let's extend grace today so all heads bowed all eyes closed I want you to pray with me that the same grace that God gave me is the same grace that can cover us so right now you may be here today and you may be needing the grace of God I want you to begin praying There may be a sin that you've never dealt with and you need the grace of God. I want you to begin praying. You may have endured hardship this week and you need the grace of God to cover you. I want you to start praying. I want you to begin asking God that His grace would cover us. God, we thank you right now, Father. God, we praise you. We thank you, God. We ask you, Lord, to just... Deliver us today from anger. Deliver us from this bitterness. Deliver us from holding grudges. Deliver us, God. Deliver us, God. Extend grace. Extend grace. God, my goal is to not make a point. My goal is to make a difference. My goal is not to convert you to my opinion. My goal is to help people see the love of the one who changed my life, and his name is Jesus. So let us be quick to listen. Let us be slow to speak. Let us be slow to become angry. God, we thank you today. God, extend grace. Extend grace. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord. Yay! And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Look, this is the way Jesus lived. And it's the way we have to as well. Jesus lived and he loved. Because human anger, my human anger, your human anger, 
doesn't produce the righteousness that is desired of him. So let us love people. Let us reach people. Let us see God restore. And let's see them released doing kingdom work.